Ion 2020 episode 266. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up everybody? Ray Eaton here, bringing you another week, another show another eye on 2020 i appreciate you joining me uh so over the weekend we had the south carolina primary and something that was completely unexpected oh i knew that he was gonna win but i wasn't gonna i didn't think that he would win by as much as he did uh joe biden won he had close to 50 percent of the vote y'all 50% 50% of the vote, 62% of African Americans that voted, voted for him. And then Bernie Sanders came in a distant second at like 20%. And then everyone else was far behind there as well. And that, like I said, I think that he was running around 35, 30, 33, 35% in the polls at the time, whenever they were going to be going whenever the South Carolina primary was about to happen on Thursday, Friday, he was running around 30, 33%. Uh, he was losing a little bit of momentum to Tom Steyer. He was losing a little bit of momentum to Pete Buttigieg. He was losing momentum to Bernie Sanders. And then all of a sudden, boom, comes in and he, he gets 50% of the vote almost. I mean, it was 48%, I think is the exact number. And uh, nobody expected that. So it's a huge boost to Joe Biden's political campaign it's kind of a shot in the arm that he needed going into super tuesday which is actually tomorrow you're gonna have i think it's uh one third of the delegates that are available will be going out tomorrow during those during that uh during the super tuesday which is i think it's 14 states that'll be voting tomorrow and definitely the shot in the arm that joe biden's campaign needed it's it'll be interesting to see how he does Um, the thing is, is that this primary, the South Carolina primary knocked out a couple people who I would not have expected to just jump out at that, at that, you know, as fast as they did. Well, I figured one of them would, but I didn't think the other one would. And that's, uh, Tom Steyer or Tom Steyer, however you pronounce his name. I I think it's Steyer. Um, and I should know this by now. I've been really like, I've been... I've heard a bunch of different ways it's said, but it's Steyer. So anyway, Tom Steyer, he basically hung his hat on South Carolina. I think you guys have heard me say it before since I live in South Carolina. Like, all I've heard is this guy's commercials constantly. He does so many mailers. I think you get one mailer a day. This guy spent $100 million in South Carolina. It's probably the most expensive failed campaign yet. Because we haven't seen Michael Bloomberg's campaign fail yet. He hasn't dropped out. So, in that sense, it's the most expensive campaign, failed campaign ever so far. We'll wait a couple weeks and see if Michael Bloomberg gets any traction after Super Tuesday. It seems like he's going down in the polls right now, though. And I also know that when it comes to momentum, like these things are very much hinge on the momentum as well. And with the South Carolina primary on Saturday and then 
three days later you have the uh, big Super Tuesday, you know, states going to the polls. I think that the momentum and the publicity goes straight over to Joe Biden rather than Michael Bloomberg. But Michael Bloomberg might be the next to drop out in that sense if he does not do well in Super Tuesday like he expected. But the thing about Michael Bloomberg's campaign is he, if he does fail, that'll be the most expensive campaign in the history because I think he's spent about five, maybe $600 million already on ad spots and ad buys and different things trying to get himself uh, a win on Super Tuesday or a solid showing on Super Tuesday. But a solid showing doesn't get him anywhere. I think he would need to win um, several states, if not quite a few states, in order to keep himself in there. Joe Biden has all the momentum just because of South Carolina right now. And the person that dropped out that I was so surprised about that it took me by surprise when I saw it come through last night is Pete Buttigieg. Like, he is the person that won... He he technically won Iowa from a... from the pure standpoint of having the delegates. He won Iowa. He didn't win the popular vote in Iowa, but that doesn't matter in Iowa. Then he had a good showing, a second-place showing in, uh, in New Hampshire... Or was it third? No, no, it was second place showing in New Hampshire behind uh, Bernie Sanders. And then he did, and then he had an okay showing in Nevada and then a pretty bad showing, I think like 7% of the vote in South Carolina. But still, going into Super Tuesday, he could have gotten quite a few of the states as well. I, I would just, it just blows my mind that he dropped out as fast as he did. And I heard Tom Delaney saying through Twitter earlier this or, or last night that Pete Buttigieg uh, did the right thing for this for the um, for the health of our country. He's looking out for our country by dropping out because we're not going to have Bernie Sanders as the presidential nominee. So he's falling in line with what the establishment is saying. And somebody said it on Facebook. He said that he knows his place. That Pete Buttigieg knows his place. And if he wants to be the 2024 candidate for president, if he wants to have any chance in the national party whatsoever, beyond just being a mayor of South Bend, Indiana, he has to know his place. He has to sit there and fall in line. And that's exactly what he did. He fell in line. He was a Bernie supporter in 2016, is my understanding. But yeah, he fell in line. He did what he was told. And then he and he ended up dropping out because he has to throw his support behind Joe Biden, the person that can possibly beat Donald Trump or Michael Bloomberg, whoever comes out after Super Tuesday is over with. They have to, they have to come out and support that person over Bernie Sanders. It would surprise me if he if. Pete Buttigieg throws the support behind Bernie Sanders. It really does. As much as he attacked him on, he can't beat Donald Trump. He can't win. This is not a socialist nation that we need to have a middle ground in between. And I'm that middle ground. Like As much as he did that, as much as he focused in on electability, he can't throw his support behind Bernie Sanders because of that. So it surprised me big time if he ended up throwing his support behind Bernie Sanders. But... Yeah, that's Pete Buttigieg. It just blew my mind because I thought that... 
I mean, I really thought that he was the campaign that might get the traction in the end because of his ability to communicate well, but he just never got the fire of like that support from the African American community, which is a huge base in the southern states. And if he can't win the self, then Donald Trump will win the self. If he can't beat like if he cannot get more than I think it was like six or seven percent of the African American no, it was three percent of the African American vote in South Carolina. Three percent. Is that crazy or what? So he just never got the African American community on board and South Carolina is a bellwether for the African American vote. Yeah, Midwestern white people liked Pete Buttigieg. <clears throat> they voted for him in droves and they came out and, and got behind him. But in the self, he's not gonna do he didn't do well. So I think he saw the writing on the wall and moved on. The thing that I just speculate because Pete Buttigieg had the big money people behind him. He had the he had Barack Obama's bundlers, his donors. He had Hillary Clinton's donors behind him. So I just wonder if the establishment said, "Hey, you know what? Go ahead and get out, but you're shooing for um, either a Senate seat. You're shooing for because he's not running for mayor of Southman, Indiana at this point. So you're shooing for a southern a, a Senate seat." You're a shoo-in for a congressional seat, for sure. And you're an up-and-coming guy. I mean, you're 37, 38 years old. You're up-and-coming in our in our uh, democratic politics. People like you. People got behind your campaign. So go ahead and sit back and wait, okay? Get in place and wait. 2024 or 2028, that's your time to shine, my man. That's what they told him. And then I th- wonder... And this is pure speculation, but I wonder if there was a possibility also that they said, you know what, if Bernie becomes the uh, the candidate, we're going to go out and make you the the VP because you have middle ro- middle of the road appeal. But then again, they would absolutely need to have a female as the VP candidate with a Bernie Sanders, though, or they would have to have someone of like some a minority who has African American appeal appeal because even Bernie Sanders does not get as much vote of the African American vote as a Joe Biden does or as a lot of the other candidates would Bernie Sanders does not have doesn't get the African American vote especially like in South Carolina when Joe Biden got 66 maybe 67% of the African American vote and then Bernie Sanders gets like 20-something percent of the African-American vote. Not too much. So I, I wonder if uh, if Bernie Sanders got it, they'd have to have somebody that's female or somebody that is a that has appeal to African-Americans as well as maybe somebody that, you know, maybe like a Cory Booker or something. Somebody that's establishment. They would force him to have somebody that's establishment. And the reason why, same thing with Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Donald Trump, the most outsider... Republican ever, right? And when he gets the nomination, he chooses Mike Pence, governor of Indiana, Mr. Establishment himself, as his VP running mate, because they needed somebody to keep Donald Trump in line. They needed somebody that, and obviously Donald Trump doesn't seem like he gets kept in line by anybody, but you know what I mean. 
they needed somebody who was an establishment guy to get the establishment behind him. Because that's where the money's at. That's where the state, like the, the security within the Republican Party is there with the establishment. And they cannot feel like they have somebody who is a loose cannon up there as the president, so they force him to take on Mike Pence. So that's pretty much, I wonder if that's the case. It's probably the parties who really decide who the VP is. The party does. You don't have a choice no matter. We don't vote for the VP anymore. The party gets to decide. So the, the an unelected party, political party, gets to decide who's going to be the VP candidate. It's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't go through and say, all right, Mike Pence is my guy. Nice Mr. Establishment Christian himself. No. Nope. Not, not true. And that's the same thing if Bernie Sanders gets the nomination. But they are going to do everything. This is the proof that they're going to do everything they can to make sure Bernie Sanders does not get the nomination, though, is by forcing Pete Buttigieg, of all people, the front runner, the person that, as of Saturday, or as of Friday, I think it was, still had the most delegates. The front runner, I might be wrong, it might have been Bernie Sanders, but before Nevada, he was definitely the front runner. He had the most delegates. And all of a sudden, they force him out. That is just proof in my mind. Absolute proof in my mind that the establishment is behind anybody but Bernie Sanders at this point and they forced him out so that they can get more votes for Joe Biden in these Super Tuesday states. Will half these people even realize that Pete Buttigieg is out of the race though? Like they better highly publicize that thing. I guess if Buttigieg is, like if his supporters know it and they won't go to the polls and vote for him specifically they'll vote for somebody else. So who do they go to? Who will Pete Buttigieg throw his support behind? I don't, I'm not sure how that will work either. But, or how he, if he will even throw his support behind someone specifically. But the thing that I wonder is, where will his supporters go? Will they end up going for Bernie Sanders? Will they end up going for uh, Joe Biden? Or will they end up going for for uh, Michael Bloomberg? I don't know. But that's interesting. So, that's, that's the what happened over the weekend, guys. I spent a little bit more time on it than I really wanted to, but I just thought thought that was interesting that Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the race already, but it's just, like I said, the the fact is the fact. It's the fact that the establishment does not want Bernie Sanders to be their guy. So they forced him out. Okay, so this is the other thing I wanted to talk about is the politics of the coronavirus, okay? We all know the coronavirus is now in America... It's probably spread way beyond, like, the 13 or 14 cases that they say they're, you know, not the 13 or 14, I think it's um, 13 new over the, like, over the overnight, but the 100, maybe 200 cases that America has seen, something like that, we've all seen it, like, we know that that's coming, it's probably spread beyond that, because there is community spread, so people that get, like, like a, the flu symptoms, cold symptoms, they don't go to the doctor, they, they wait a week, it's gone. So a lot of people in that situation, they get the coronavirus and it doesn't affect them too bad. They have mild to moderate symptoms. They suffer through it, but they keep on spreading it to other people. So it's probably well beyond the states of like, or states of Washington, California, Chicago, New York. 
Like it might be even be in your state at this point. Who knows? It's hard to tell. But there's politics behind this as well. It's not just it's not just uh, a virus that might be killing people that they're trying to contain the spread of. It's not just that. There's politics behind it, guys. There really is. This is the fact, okay? Donald Trump doing pretty good in the polls. He got through the whole uh, impeachment thing now. Looking smooth, right? Economy was going good. Economy was going great. All of a sudden, boom, last week, coronavirus starts spreading across the world. Coronavirus is in America now. The stock market tanks like 12.5%. Millions upon millions, trillions of dollars lost in like a week in value. 401k is just diving. There's political implications to this, right? There really is. And Donald Trump is trying to get ahead of that. The markets will take care of themselves, he said, right? The markets will take care of themselves. The the economy will be just fine. The economy will take care of itself. Like, he's trying to downplay that. He's trying to settle the markets. He even saw on MSNBC, not MSNBC, CNBC the other day, like, they were trying to calm the markets one morning. I was listening to it for a couple hours, and all I hear is them saying, we got to calm the markets. We got to get the people to realize that it's not that devastating. That, you know, yes, people will die, but it's not that bad. It's not going to destroy all the economy ever and all that. You know, like, they're trying to make it sound like that. They're trying to downplay it. They're bringing people on to downplay it. So even the even the propagandists are out there trying to spread this idea that it's not that bad. Was that the government kind of, like, you know, asking them to do that? Who knows? They did it during the 2007-2008 financial crisis. So it could be the case that somehow the government was like, you know what, we need to, you know, put people at ease. So they might have been talking about it that day. But the the stock market still dropped a thousand points for like three days in a row. And the Democrats are going to capitalize on that because it looks bad to Donald Trump. You're not doing the right thing. You're not spending enough money. You're not being aggressive enough against this disease, this virus. They're going to capitalize. They're going to say how bad of a job he's doing, how terrible things are. I've even heard of Bernie Sanders supporters saying that they're going to, or Democrats saying that they're going to go to Donald Trump rallies while they're infected with the virus to kill off some of his supporters. Like there's political implications of this. There's politics behind it. And the politicians are going to talk it up as if as if Donald Trump's doing a terrible job because it it's bad for his presidency if he does a terrible job so they're going to continue to say how terrible of a job he's doing preventing the coronavirus not to say that if Hillary Clinton was there she would do a better job nobody's going to think like that but they're going to use the propaganda in the media in order to or they're going to put that into the media they're going to put propaganda out into the media in order to make it look like Donald Trump is doing a terrible terrible job and Donald Trump has to be on the defensive and make it look like he's doing all that he can the political implications of it because 
the Democrats want Donald Trump to look like crap. So they're not going to say anything good about him and the response that he has to it. They won't. You'll never hear that out of their mouths. And the Republicans, they're going to do what politicians do and defend their guy, just like they did during the impeachment trial. And all it is is politics. That's all it is. So there is political implications of the coronavirus. The, the coronavirus will be used for politics. They don't care about the lives of the people that are going to die. They don't care about the 401ks that are losing money. They don't give a crap about any of that. All they care about is getting power. That's all the politicians care about. Republicans want to keep power. Democrats want to get power. And that's it. So they're going to do what they have to do to make to smear the other side every single time, no matter what. They won't get together and support each other and say, you know what, let's get together and, and make this thing go away. We're not going to sit there and work together to try to figure out government solutions to things. They don't care about that, guys. They don't. They don't care about the people at all. They care about power. The politicians want the presidency. They want control of the purse. They want the control of the trillions of dollars in handouts that the government can give and trillions of dollars in tax cuts that the government can give out also. And that's it. So they're going to smear the other side and protect their own, and that's that. Just remember that every single time there's something that happens in America, in this world, the politicians don't care, guys. They don't. They don't care about the people. They care about power. Keep that in mind. They want to get reelected. That's it. They want to get reelected. That's why Congress and the House of Representatives has literally passed on the control or the power that they have. They've given it to the presidency on war powers, on almost every issue, on control of the purse strings and all that. They give as much they delegate as much of that to the executive because they don't want to look like they're making decisions about things. They just want to get reelected. And when it comes to the coronavirus, Donald Trump says we're going to spend $2 billion at it, and every politician gets up there and that's on the Democrat side and says we should have had 4 or 8 or even $16 billion spent on it. And look how bad Donald Trump's doing. And look, he got rid of the Department of Novel Viruses or whatever the hell it was called a couple of years back. And they start trying to poke holes in everything that he's done. And then the Republicans get up there and say, $2 billion is plenty. And we have control of this thing. And it's not going to spread in America the way it is elsewhere. And we have great health care in America anyway, so we don't have to worry about that. The Democrats are going to say, we have terrible health care in America. And we need to, this is a reason why we need a national health service. There's political implications of it all, guys. And it's because they want the power, and that's it. So, hey, keep that in mind. I mean, it's not just the coronavirus. It's everything that it comes down to. They just want to keep control of the purse strings. They want to keep control of the government. That's what the two parties do. And they'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. So, hey, keep that in mind. This is a libertarian show, guys. I always take this thing from a libertarian perspective. I'm sorry that I always dwell on the Democratic Party, but that's really what's going on right now. That's why I do that. Uh, libertarians are going to have their time to shine uh, around the end of May, early June, when we elect our candidate for presidency, and that person starts doing a national tour 
uh, hopefully getting some traction. Who knows? But this is the Libertarian Show. I'm going to take everything from a Libertarian perspective. So if you like Libertarian perspectives, if you are a Libertarian, keep on listening, all right? You can do that by subscribing to the show. And then give me a five-star rating review if you like what you hear, all right? And then uh, you can also follow me on iontheempire.com. iontheempire.com is just, I, I post news articles and things that I find. Um, I'm not as active as I should be posting on that, but there's pl- there's lots of places to get news. Uh, but you know what? I should be way more aggressive on posting lots of good articles, especially about the, the election and stuff too. And uh, I like to get into national or international politics and international um the meddling that America does internationally as well. I like to post a lot about that. I have lots of back articles as well, so you can you can scroll through those. Um, so I am the Empire. You can also follow me I am the Empire on Twitter and on Facebook. All right, and then the best thing you could do though every single week, listen on Monday and Thursday. Uh, you can do that by subscribing, like I said, and then uh, come on back on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.